Hey everybody, this is Elise from Camp Aska, and you're listening to Camp Aska, the podcast. The show that dives into all things Aska and the people that make camp the incredible place it is. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media to stay up to date with what's happening here at camp. That's at Camp Aska, C-A-M-P-A-S-C-C-A. Hey everybody, welcome back to Camp Aska, the podcast. Today, I'm here with a special guest, Barkley Bentley. Barkley, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Barkley Bentley. I am the director for the Office of Accessibility here at Auburn University. I'm starting my 10th year here in a couple of weeks as a full-time Auburn employee. Um, I've only been in this current role for a few months, though. I uh, was hired full-time as the director in May, but previous to that, I've worked in several roles around our office. I grew up in North Alabama and Coleman. And I have uh, six summers that I worked at Camp Aska between 2005 and 2011 mm. before I came back to Auburn for graduate school. Oh, wow. So what exactly does the Office of Accessibility do? So we provide the academic accommodations for students with disabilities. Um, but that also extends out to other areas such as dining, housing, parking, anything that impacts the student's experience uh, while they're here at Auburn. If it's medical or disability related, then our office is probably going to be involved in trying to work with accommodations to find out what we can do to kind of get rid of some of those barriers Mm -hmm. and allow that person to access all the same activities and information and and everything else that all the other students are doing. No, absolutely. Um, What would you say is your favorite thing about assisting people with disabilities now? So for me, it is just kind of helping them achieve their goals and seeing watching them be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff that we do is very small and doesn't have a lot of impact on other people. You know, providing a student with extra time on exams or a little bit of note-taking support doesn't really impact the faculty that much, and it certainly doesn't impact the other students in the class. Mm-hmm. But for that person, it might make all the difference in them yeah. um, being able to kind of show what they know, get a good grade in the class, achieve their degree, pursue their dreams, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. small things that we do. Um, can really make a big difference for some students. But then there's also the other side of it for some of the students that need a little bit more attention and a little bit more um, support and maybe physical things, Mm -hmm. or maybe they're a new injury and they're having a hard time kind of adjusting to their new normal, so to Mm -hmm. speak. Um, And those are really rewarding when those students achieve something because a lot of times they wouldn't have been able to accomplish that degree without our office. No, absolutely. So it's, you know, it's the student doing all the work and certainly they deserve all the credit and they deserve the degree. When you have your ups and downs and your highs and lows in this office, one of the things that keeps you going is knowing that you've got those students that we are providing information and access to that wouldn't be able to do it without Mm -hmm. us. Knowing you have a hand in kind of their success. Absolutely. I can imagine is extremely rewarding. How were you able to move up in your career? At Auburn. Yeah, so uh, like I said, I was really fortunate to move into a full-time position as soon as I got graduated from my master's program. I did my master's in rehabilitation counseling here at Auburn, mm-hmm. finished that in the summer of 2013, um, and then was able to roll right into a full-time position that same year. It just kind of worked out well with the, at the timing. There was an opening, and I had been at the office long enough, and there was a, a change in the way that they were doing the health care. And so I kind of was able to slide in Mm -hmm. uh, without um, really having to do much of an interview, to be honest with you. Uh, But uh, from there, it's it's been, you know, I did five years as an accommodation specialist and then I did four years as the assistant director for our office. Mm -hmm. Um, And then now I was I was hired uh, back in May 1st. I was announced as the official director 
uh, our previous director had been here for a really long time and he did a great job of setting us up to be successful. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of hoping to keep that going. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Um, so I know you've said you worked at Camp Aska for six ish years. Um, what year did you start in? So my first summer was 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I came on as an account, uh, I keep saying accommodation <laughs> specialist. I came on as a counselor in the summer of 2005. And then you worked program staff and then eventually moved into a full time position. That's right. Yeah. So um, I came back the next summer. I was only able to work a few weeks the first summer 2005, mm-hmm. and then uh, I worked more the second summer in 2006, and actually graduated from my undergrad that same year. Uh, and I got really lucky that the kitchen person was on her way out at the time, mm-hmm. so I spent the second half of the summer of 2006 kind of shadowing her, mm-hmm. learning the kitchen, learning how the food ordering went, learning about dietary things, and um, I took over that kitchen later that year uh, after the summer ended. And then I did that until I left in 2011. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you, the kitchen position was not necessarily your ideal position. What did it teach you and why did you take it? So you're right. It wasn't um, when I graduated Auburn with a degree in business administration. I didn't think <laughs> I was going to go work at a camp for kids with disabilities and run their, their dining services. But um, I didn't want to stay at camp. I wanted to work at camp. Mm-hmm. I had um, good friends that were already working there had a really strong connection to the place from the summers that I had worked and some of the, the camper experiences that I had and uh, really felt strongly about it and wanted to try to stay if I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I didn't, it certainly wasn't where I, I had, had envisioned myself being, mm-hmm. um, but I got a lot out of it yeah. and it was a great experience. And uh, I know a lot of young people work in restaurants and do server things like that when they're, uh, you know, in their early 20s. And I did the same thing. I worked mm-hmm. in restaurants when I was an undergrad. And then, um, but seeing that, that kitchen experience from the the mass side of it, where, mm-hmm. you know, we're serving, you know, 200, 250 meals three times a day. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit different mindset. And so that part, I mean, just the work ethic that it took to um, to make sure that we were putting out a good product mm-hmm. I and mean, it's hard to make sure that everybody's having a good meal when there's so many people to yeah. feed, but you can <laughs> do it. Lot. Yeah. You can do it if you, if you prepare and I had a really good, had a really good staff that I inherited from the previous person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if, if any of them are still working or not, but, um, I could trust them. And mm-hmm. that was one of the big things when I came in is that I didn't have to, I didn't have to teach myself and then teach somebody else. Like a lot of the staff that were already working in the kitchen knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just a matter of can, what can we do to make this more efficient? Yeah. How can we improve the product that we're putting out with also just kind of staying within the budgetary you know, limitations? But mm-hmm. um, I think probably just the work ethic that it took to be in that kitchen. I mean, those are long days. I mean, breakfast is at, is at eight, yeah. you know, but we're showing up at six. And mm-hmm. then dinner finishes at seven, and then I still got to clean up the kitchen after that. So it's a long day, mm-hmm. but it's really rewarding. And I think definitely some of the work ethic and stuff, things I picked up from there, have carried on into my current career. Yeah, I was talking to um, two of our summer nurses the other day, and they were saying how working at camp, that's where you find the most hardworking people ever. And it's typically young people. Yeah. And- they're doing selfless work, but they're always doing it with a smile on their face and everything. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, do you think camp unknowingly guided you into the career that you're in now? Yeah, definitely. Um, my first summer, I kind of came on, uh, like I said, as a part-time person. My only experience working with people with disabilities prior to that was um, a summer that I had done the previous year, 2004, here locally at Auburn at a therapeutic day camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was still working at that camp in the summer of 2005 and I was kind of bouncing back and forth. Mm-hmm. But um, 
that was a much more low impact experience working with people with disabilities. It's the same population, but when we were doing arts and crafts and going swimming a couple of times a week and mm-hmm. everything was very close by, um, parents took their kids home in the afternoon, dropped them off in the morning. Yeah. So you didn't have that overnight component. Um, and we weren't really responsible for a lot of meals or changing or any mm-hmm. of those kind of things that all the counselors have to do uh, at ASCA. So then when I came to Camp ASCA, it was a whole different whole different ball game. It's just definitely stepped up a level as far as like the commitment required, mm-hmm. the intensity of the service, the, but it also kind of stru- makes the bond stronger with the people that you're working with and with the campers that you're working with as well. Um, and I, yeah, I, I definitely found my passion for working with people with disabilities during those years, um, the mid two thousands when I was working, you know, here locally at the therapeutic camp. And then certainly when I went to Camp Baska, that immersive experience of being there in the summertime living in the cabins, mm-hmm. you know, helping people get dressed, helping people eat, and then starting all over again with a new group on Sunday. Definitely changed kind of what I, I don't know where I would have gone. I don't know what mm-hmm. I was going to do. Um, I didn't really have a plan after I got my undergraduate degree. Um, so Camp Asker was certainly a, a life-changing experience to where, you know, you know, it led me down this path. And then, mm-hmm. you know, now I'm in charge of the disability office for an entire SEC university, which is a little hard to think about. Crazy, crazy. No, I agree. Camp Asco definitely, um, it definitely played a role in where I am now as yeah. well. I started out, did not want to work there. First camper I met completely changed my life, flipped my life upside down, and now I'm there full time and the happiest I've ever been. So yeah. it's a crazy place how just a small little camp in Alabama can really change your life like that. Um, I know it's hard to pinpoint just one, but what would you say is your favorite camp memory? Yeah, so a couple things I'll say there. So I definitely won't just give you one, but um, you know, one of the biggest things you know for me personally was the just the relationships that I made at camp and the ones that have stayed with me mm-hmm. to this day. Uh, Amber Cotney is one of my best friends in the world. She was the best lady at my wedding, held the rings, did all that fun stuff. Um, and there's other people that you know I've met through Camp Asco that I still stay in touch with to this mm-hmm. day. Um, those friendships and those relationships are are what are the are the big thing that I'll take away. But there's also all the, the stuff that it took to get to that point. Like mm-hmm. you know, working with people closely in a camp environment like that, uh, you really kind of learn about people and you learn about yourself. And yes. the friendships that you make there can be really deep and really strong. And so that's a that the selfish thing for me was just all the friendships and relationships that I made along the way. Mm-hmm. But there's camper moments that really stand out. Like I think everybody kind of has that, you know, that first thing that kind of catches them and kind of hooks you in. Kind of the I get it moment. Yeah, the I get it (laughs) moment. Yeah, and for me it was uh, one of my first, um, one of my first weeks in 2005. I can't remember if it was the very first week or not, but um, there was a a young girl in our group. She obviously wasn't in my, she wasn't my camper, but she was in the group with me. And um, she was nonverbal, didn't Mm -hmm. talk. Um, but she was very excited to be at camp and she wanted to be involved in everything. And, you know, she was in her chair and we pushed her around, but when she got ready to talk, you had to pull out this laminated piece of paper that had the alphabet on it mm-hmm. and slowly but surely work your way down the rows across the letters to kind of figure out what she wanted to spell out and what she wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we figured out pretty quick, uh, this was one of, one of Amber's campers at the time. Uh, we figured out pretty quick that she wanted to talk to me or about me. <laughs> and, you know, as a, as a first, you know, first summer counselor, I wasn't a thousand percent sure how to handle all that. But mm-hmm. what I took out of it was just how, 
how happy it made her just to say simple phrases and get a response and kind of share that communication because you can tell like maybe that's not her every day. Like maybe mm-hmm. not every day she has somebody that's willing to sit with her and go through the letters and talk about stuff and make mm-hmm. jokes about boys and things like that. So just that event and just kind of that, that camper and how she kind of navigated her experience mm-hmm. was really eye opening to me. It was definitely the first time that I'd worked with somebody with that significant a disability. Most of the people that I'd worked with previously at the, at the therapeutic camp was a lot of, a lot of Down syndrome, a lot of mental health mm-hmm. or uh, cognitive stuff, not not too much physical. Mm-hmm. But now we had somebody where it was a physical and it was a nonverbal thing. And so it took a lot of work mm-hmm. to make her um, have the same experience as other campers. But that was probably the most eye-opening thing for me when, at the beginning and really kind of hooked me in to just say, you know, how special this place is and kind of mm-hmm. what all the different you know, benefits that a a kid can get out of it just for coming for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, It's definitely life changing. People always say you either get it or you don't. And I could not agree more with that. Thank you so much for joining us. I've had a great time talking to you and I know our listeners will enjoy this as well. So thank you. Well, I appreciate it. And if there's everything I can do again, I look forward to it next time. Well, you're always welcome at camp. (laughs) What's happening at ASCA. This is the part of the show where we are going to talk about everything that's happening right here at camp ASCA. Hey, this is Matt Rickman, the camp director at Camp Aska, and going to give you a little update about camp, about some things we got going on this fall and winter. I'm pretty excited about a lot of our groups coming in, but some of our Aska weekends that we have going on is we have our Halloween, kind of our fall family weekend where families can come, individuals can come. That's October 28th through the 30th, and it'll be Halloween themed, and we'll do a big costume contest and costume dance, and always a good time. Definitely a favorite for everybody. And then after that upcoming, we'll have our uh, annual Christmas weekend uh, in December. Uh, registration for that will begin November the 2nd, so you can register online for that. And that weekend, Christmas weekend, is December 9th through 11th. Obviously, we'll have a Christmas theme. Uh, might even get a visit from Santa and Mrs. Claus, and that's always a good time. And then on that same weekend, we always do our biggest fundraiser of the year, our Jingle Jump, which is December the 10th. And so that's that's probably one of our biggest fundraisers, and you can contact us or give me an email if you're interested and and help help to raise money to send somebody to camp and then we jump in the freezing cold waters of the Alaska pool like I said it's a big fundraiser but I I'm not gonna lie it's probably my least favorite thing in the world to do is to jump in that pool and we get to do it in full costume which uh, makes makes it a little bit harder to to get out of the pool uh, and you're dripping wet and your costume stuck to you but it is a great time the campers love and it's a huge fundraiser for us. So please support our and basically that's that's what we've got going as far as ASCA. The rest of our weekends are filled up with uh mission-based groups. We have our autism family weekend coming up. We'll do a Sil Harris weekend. Um, lots of different things going on here at camp. And uh, of course we're busy doing a lot of maintenance and cleaning up and trying to make camp look good after the summer's over. Thanks for listening to Camp ASCA the podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and look forward to you joining us next time. As always, be sure to follow us on social media at Camp Aska and visit our website, campaska.org, for more information about camp.